today we're going to be talking to George Newberry, get the latest on his newest AHP fund. The guests that come on, or I would say in any podcast that you listen to, a lot of people will just go on podcasts. The track record and verification isn't there like how it is with George. I'm actually an investor with him. I've been investing in his fund for the past three, four years, monthly dividends like clockwork. But just be aware that we bring in people that I trust. I think a lot of people listen to a lot of podcasts. You jot down names and numbers and you feel like not some random person off the street. But in actuality, you are totally investing some of off the street that happens to be able to email the podcast host to get an opportunity to pitch an audience out there. So if you're one of those persons, don't do that, guys. You will probably win the Financial Darwinism Award by doing this. It is not smart. Uh, build the right people around you, organic relationships with other accredited investors. Unfortunately, a lot of these people, they're not at the local RIA. They're not on the free forums, so Facebook groups. Uh, not the places to find other pure passive accredited investors, but they are out there. If you guys are looking to join our inner circle, join the family office on a mastermind, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey. Thanks for all you guys who've been reaching out to me. The daughter is about four months old now, very happy and healthy. We're very glad of that. For some of you guys who are not parents yet, boy, boy, is life going to change for you guys. Something that I've been thinking about lately is I'm actually deathly afraid of passing down the wealth to the next generation. 90% of wealth leaves families in two to three generations, most likely because... I don't know what it's because either there's no motivation to do anything or there is no need to do anything to get off the ground and moving. But that is why I surround myself with my family office, Ohana Mastermind, as we source the best practices for not only finding deals, who to stay away from taxes, legal, infinite banking, but more of the soft stuff, right? Like how do you teach your kids? You give them an allowance. How do you teach them about money, investing, et cetera, and what actually works? A lot of that stuff just isn't written out there. And I also feel like in a lot of the events that we put together, they bring the kids, they see other people, different age ranges. And I never listen to my parents. And I don't really think that if you have a voice to your kids, well, consider yourself lucky. But maybe if you have somebody else in your inner circle that can help translate investment, financial literacy, I think that's going to be your best shot. If you guys want more of these legacy building ideas, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash legacy. And thanks for those of you guys who showed up to our Saturday cram school to learn about syndication. We posted the video at simplepassivecashflow.com slash syndication. And enjoy the show. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey, Simple Passive Cash listeners. Today we are going to be talking to George Newberry, CEO of Priario, or as you guys know it, also as AHP. We're going to be talking about Priario, one of the new opportunities, and then the next fund that George is going to be taking. You guys keep asking, why does the name keep changing? A lot of these funds, there's just a sunset date on them. In terms of SEC, you can only raise money for a certain amount of time. But I guess, George, maybe take us up to the top, because I think a lot of people have been investing 
in HP from back in the day, what, 2017, 18. And then the names get confusing. Yeah, so they're different. I appreciate that, Lane. So yes, each fund is a different fund, a completely distinct separate company and that we raise money for. And you're right. The SEC allows you to raise money for two years or allows us or anyone to raise money for up to two years if it's a Regulation A plus offering. So each of these are raised into Regulation A plus over a two-year period. Then we have to close the fund. And typically, we make the funds a total of five years from the date of the original investment. So our target has always been, hey, if you invest today, we'll get your money back in approximately five years. And that's been our goal. And we did four 506C funds, which are accredited investors only. All all those investors have been paid back. And then we now we're working on, we have two closed funds that are active. One is AHP 2015A+, and one is AHP Servicing. And now we're just launched, uh, recently launched the pre-REO fund, and they have one more coming up that's actually should be going very soon, which is uh, AHP Title. Right now, today, as we speak, there's two closed funds that are uh, still have investor money in, 2015A+, and AHP Servicing, and then investors can today invest in pre-REO and AHP Title. Yeah, so some of you guys are aware of the A-plus offering. It's unlike the 506B or 506C, and you guys probably scratching your head. Why are they talking about deals on an openly advertising podcast? It's because the A-plus offering allows you to do it. And the second reason why we're talking about it is I've invested in the, the first fund myself. I trust George, and that's why I'm willing to have him on the podcast. And I know you guys listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of these podcasts, they just get whoever jabroni to come up on the podcast and try and sell whatever random fund, bananas in Guatemala or whatever in some other random country. If you guys are going on podcasts, trying to look for your next investment, Dude, that is not what you want to be doing. You want to be building relationships with real accredited investors instead of trolling on podcast land because there is little due diligence. And quite honestly, don't do that, guys. You guys will win the financial Darwinism award by doing. And the funny thing is when you don't know anybody, you, you got nobody to tell that the deal went south and you got your money stolen from you. And then you'll be like one of these people with no peer group and who will just complain on bigger pockets or something like Uh that. But anyway, I trust George and this is why we brought him several times and I've invested my own money with him. I put enough to, initially you guys paid my car loan uh, for quite some time, but getting a new car, maybe I got to put more money into the next fund to make that car payment. Let's talk about pre-REO crowdfunding. Sure. Let me backtrack real quick to give people an update because I know a lot of your investors have uh, invested in HP 2015A plus and HP servicing. Especially that's me. I'm interested. So yeah, exactly. I put money in that one in 2017-18. Exactly. And the market, everyone knows, it's not news to anybody that the market is uh, just red hot right now. And that includes for mortgages. We have millions of dollars in modified mortgages. These are families who we've modified their loans for that we are now selling and we're selling them at a at, 90, 92 cents of unpaid principal balance, which historically we would sell these in the 60s and 70s. So it's just a dramatic uptick. So we are selling everything we can. We have enough money right now to catch up on all the redemptions from the COVID era. So we'll be completely up to date with the redemptions. We expect in the next few weeks to announce to investors that we're going to start um, redeeming all the um, first investors in both funds. And we expect to redeem on an accelerated schedule over the next several months. And my goal is to, and we expect to do is in 2022, that both the existing funds, 2015A plus and HP servicing will be, all those investors will be fully paid off. My concern in the market right now is it is very hot, but that won't last forever. And I don't want to be looking a year from now, I could be looking back and say, oh, 
If only we had disposed of our loans in you know the first quarter 2022 or the fourth quarter 2021, we could have made this. And today we're going to have to settle for this. So I'm trying to avoid that. I may be getting out a little bit early, but we do have an opportunity to take advantage of the market that exists today and uh, repay all the investors. And uh, that is our goal over the next late fourth quarter, 2021 and, and through uh, 2022. So that's an update. So people should expect their money back early, earlier than the five years in most cases. The good news is we have pre-REO and another fund upcoming AHP title, which they can invest, roll that money into if they so choose. Are you a non-accredited investor looking for opportunities to invest passively? How about a newer investor looking to get a bit of a track record and confidence from your skeptic spouse? And could you use the reinforcement of monthly checks paid like clockwork? The American Homeowner Preservation Fund, or AHP, recently opened their pre-REO fund and is looking to bring new investors with them. I've been investing with them since 2016 and originally I used it as a means to pay for my regular expenses. I started with $60,000 as my initial investment, and that paid for my car payment completely for me. AHP collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes by restructuring or selling the debts, unlike their competitors that just kick their homeowners out on the streets. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when owner George Newberry saw the impact our simple passive cash flow monthly crew was making approach me to become a spokesperson of the company. Invest as little as $100 by going to preareo.com slash investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please claim it at simplepassivecashflow.com slash AHP. And if you haven't done yet, join our private investor club for more insider access. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. We talked about this on the last time you were on the podcast. We mm-hmm. went to the financial audit. You took us to the audit. And then you, at that time, I think that might've been half a year ago. And I think the, the climate is still the same in a way, right? You're talking about selling off assets to take advantage. So it's not much change there, but for the, the pro tip for folks is if you're in the, the fund that it's going to be exiting soon, it makes sense if you want to stay within the AHP family is to get it out now before George is forced to give it back to you when the fund closes and perhaps get it into the next fund that's Coming. And the good news is the two new funds we just opened up, they're open for two years. So whether you're out in two months or in six months, when you get redeemed, it, you'll still get your, but uh, you'll still have the ability if you choose to roll them into one of the two new funds. Your team just sent me an email saying, Hey man, like if you want us to put the dividends and roll the dividends over into the new one, that's another idea. Yeah, absolutely. This is one which we didn't do before. We can just now do it is that if you are an investor in 2015 A plus or HP servicing, then you can't uh, reinvest those dividends any uh, more because the funds are closed. However, you can direct us to reinvest into pre-REO or AHP title if you choose. So you can have the option of making that selection. If you don't choose either, then you uh, continue to get them in cash. And, and at one time, it was difficult to do it because people had to re-sign docs every single time. It wasn't that hard, but now it's, it's pretty- a one-time. Yes, they go in and sign the new investment docs one time, and then we'll continue to do that until they tell us that an investor chooses not to do it anymore. So let's talk about pre-REO, I think is an interesting, probably to your audience for two reasons. One is as a crowdfunding investment opportunity, and two is as an investment opportunity just to buy pre-REOs, which we now have people who have bought, and I know we've talked about this before, you were actually one of the first to share the news about pre-REO, but we now have a lot of repeat investors, we're getting a lot of sellers on there, and we have some investors who have made, because many of 
times they bought in the last year and some have exited already, some of them are doing extremely well with pre-REO. So I'll, I'll share how this works, how pre-REO works, and then talk about how people can participate, whether it's crowdfunding or directly in pre-REO. I'm sharing some slides that I often do to, you, to I, I utilize to introduce pre-REO. And a brief history, many of you know this, but in 2008, I founded American Homeowner Preservation, which was a 501c3 nonprofit, which had a mission of keeping families at risk of foreclosure in their homes. Now, we had thousands of families come to us. We were only able to help a modest percentage. And what we did is we found that many banks, mortgage holders, servicers were not receptive to solutions that really made a lot of sense. So we changed our approach and we started buying defaulted mortgages at discounts and then sharing those discounts with families, typically in the form of favorable modifications and is where the investment opportunity began. Hey, we can we need money to buy these mortgages and we need investors. And in 2013, we started crowdfunding. But one asset typically performed the worst out of these pools that we bought. And these were first mortgages secured by vacant properties that were in judicial foreclosure states. Now, if we could connect with the homeowner and pay them cash for a deed in lieu, we could do well. Homeowner was pa had passed away or there was no one, we couldn't reach the homeowner. Then we'd have to go through foreclosure. And the problem with a first mortgage secured by a vacant property is that we would need to maintain the home. We can't, the homeowner's gone. So the city looks to us or whoever the mortgage holder is to maintain the home. And this is as, as simple as cutting the grass or shoveling the snow, but also if the property is broken into or falls out of compliance, the city can actually require us to bring the property up to code. And sometimes we were doing all the work to these properties and making them essentially rent ready. And then they'd sit there for six months, year, sometimes two years uh, while it went through the foreclosure process. And typically some states that are non-judicial like Texas or, or California or Arizona, the foreclosures move pretty fast. You can get them done in six months. But in other states where you have to go through the court system, which is like New York, New Jersey, Florida, where I am, Illinois, Ohio, states like it can take a year and sometimes in, and the extremes will be New York and Hawaii, which can take two, three, four years uh, to complete a foreclosure. Right now, my latest research I saw, Hawaii and New York are kind of neck and neck as the longest foreclosure states to the longest and most expensive uh, states to complete a foreclosure in. So this property, think about that. We've now, the city has ordered us to bring a, a vacant home into compliance make it essentially rent ready, a home that we don't own. We just own the mortgage. So we came up with the idea of, hey, what about if we appoint a, a local real estate agent as a receiver and they could get a court order, which allows them to do any repairs that are still needed and rent the property during the foreclosure term. And if we could do that, then the rent that's collected will help offset the costs of any maintenance, taxes, insurance, go be applied to the loan to the extent there's excess. And most importantly, it's a lot easier to maintain an occupied than a vacant one. It's much less susceptible to vandalism and things like that. And also the, the insurance is cheaper, just so many benefits that we can get it occupied. So we started doing that and we had some success with it. But one challenge we had, or one concern was because we're in Chicago and these, prop, these mortgages and properties are scattered across the country, we would sometimes think, we weren't sure if we were getting the best prices on contractors. Sometimes they take advantage. We felt like they were taking advantage of us a little bit because we were a thousand miles away. So in my mind, I thought, hey, the ideal solution here is to have a local partner, somebody who knows the market, knows contractors, and can help and, and can have a financial interest in the outcome of this. And they could be our partner on these mortgages. And that was the vision that created Pre-REO in 2020. And the goal was to get first mortgages secured by vacant homes into the hands of local investors 
during the foreclosure process, instead of waiting till it becomes REO, they could actually get control of the property during foreclosure. And that was the original vision. We've talked about this in the past and just to connect the dots for people, like large institutions, they bought a whole bunch of little rental properties back in 2010. And now they're doing a lot of this build for rent things. And in my opinion, they'll they'll probably go through a lot of groaning cranes because large institutions just, they're not good at operating stuff. Their people don't care. They're just people in suits in Chicago and New York, just clicking buttons and they barely want to go to a lot of these flyover states. And we'll buy a lot of these properties from insurance companies or these kind of more institutional sellers because they don't have too much skin in the game from a management perspective. So this is exactly like George and his company is like an institution, right? They get great deals that the mom and pop investor can't get access to. And that's their competitive advantage. If you're somebody buying one, two, five, 20 notes, you're just buying junk from some other guy or what George passed up years, dozens of hand handles and daisy chain deals over. But the problem that the institutional guys have is they don't have jump foot soldiers. And that's the kind of the bridge that as an entrepreneur, that's the segment that you're trying to cross that, that gap. Absolutely. We're trying to get the institutional seller, provide them a, a vehicle so that they can connect them with a, with a local investor. And that's what we've done right now. It's actually working. We have an institutional seller. So originally it was mostly AHP assets on the platform, but right now we have some of the biggest funds that are backed by some of the biggest names on wall street that are uh, posting assets on pre REO. Now the majority of the assets come from third parties from institutional funds rather than from HP. So we seeded it to get it going, but now it's going, which is great. We're the marketplace and in the middle, collecting a fee on each transaction and, and more. We had a, one of the keys, I'll, I'll get to it, is financing. And that's where the, the crowdfunding comes in. But let's talk about Preario, the marketplace. So this is actually, people ask, what is Preario? Preario is an online marketplace that connects local real estate investors with lenders. And these are, again, typically institutionals, institutions that are looking to sell to first mortgages and REO properties. And these are all over the country. We've had a bunch in Hawaii. We've had other, we've had some million dollar homes. We have some homes that are worth under $10,000, $20,000 and everything in between across the country. I think we've offered in more than 40 states. Originally, I envisioned mostly lower value, but today we just listed two uh, $4 million homes in, in New York on Long Island. And they're, again, they're the first mortgage that's secured by the $4 million home on Long Island. So we're seeing some, and we have some in Brooklyn that are million dollars and all over the country. Once in a while, you'll see these million dollar homes. Now, Preario has evolved. That original vision that I shared, it was a first mortgage secured by a vacant property, but now it's evolved. Now it's first mortgages that are delinquent secured by vacant properties or occupied properties. There's, you know, as we talk to more and more institutions, they're saying, hey, the mortgages backed by vacant properties, that's maybe 15% of our portfolio. There's a whole nother 85% of our portfolio that's occupied by owners or tenants. Can you list those? And we started listing those and those were bid on just as aggressively as the, the vacant ones. So it's become a marketplace right now for simply delinquent first mortgages. And now we actually, next month, we're listing... Uh, we're entering into a marketing agreement with a, a group that does small balance commercial loans. So these are like strip malls, small office buildings, retail, stuff like that. Tons of defaults in that arena right now. And so that we'll start seeing creeping up. There's some motels, I think, in the first batch that are going to creep into the onto the platform shortly as well. So here are all the problems that we're trying to solve uh, with Preario. Institutional sellers, they often realize that by selling to the, the local real estate investor who would buy, who really would be comfortable owning the property. That 
buyer is most likely the best buyer for the mortgage. But as we talked to sellers, the vision was, hey, if I get to sell my mortgages to 100 different buyers, then that means we have to do know your customer checks on 100 different buyers. The big institutions usually have to do backgrounds on each of their, of their buyers. That's 100 different KYC checks. It's 100 different contracts. And they thought there's no way it's whatever gain we get by maybe selling for an extra five cents or 5%. We're going to get back with going back and forth on all these different contracts. Not worth it. We're not going to do it. So we came up with a solution. And the solution was to put all the loans that are transacted on Preario into a trust. And the trustee's U.S. Bank. And so now going to the sellers, okay, the, the buyer, it's only one buyer for all these loans. And it's a trust. And, and it's U.S. Bank as a trustee. So they know your customer checks. It's fine. It's only one contract. And then we sell a participation interest to each of the local investors. And it's a participation interest in a specific asset that's held in the trust. And so that was really the key component that has made this really viable. And the other problem that the trust has solved is that about half the states in the union require that you have a license to hold or enforce a mortgage. So I'm in Illinois. If you wanted to start foreclosure on a mortgage here, you need to have a debt collector's license. And if you don't, you can't foreclose. Now, if you did foreclose, then that could be used as a defense by the consumer to delay or stop the foreclosure. And also potentially regulators could uh, fine or otherwise provide to come after you. I haven't heard of that happening in Illinois, but I have heard in Pennsylvania, there's been a number of smaller investors who bought defaulted mortgage loans in Pennsylvania, and they've ended up getting fines, sometimes substantial, $50,000, and orders to divest themselves of these mortgages. Some servicers of some smaller servicers and mortgage buyers just aren't buying in Pennsylvania. Georgia has also enforced this. Massachusetts has enforced this. Other states don't enforce it proactively, but it is still a big risk. But the great news is if a loan is held, a mortgage is held in a trust, and there's a national bank trustee, just like how we have it set up, then that complies, you don't need a license. That complies with all states for the licensure requirements. So it checked that box as well by holding them in a trust. So now an investor who buys just one loan can be compliant in by holding it in our trust. That, that's the other problem that we've solved. The, the other big one is that difficult historically to borrow money to buy mortgages or to against a mortgage. So think about it. If you like all the properties that you buy lane, multifamily properties, you oftentimes are getting a mortgage and they record a mortgage when you sell the property or refinance, the mortgage is recorded there. You got to pay it. But if you want to get a loan against the mortgage, that has been historically difficult. You're trying to collateralize a mortgage by using the trust. Now we actually take title to the property, provide the participation interest to the local investor, and that allows us to finance. And if they were to default, there's a rapid 30-day forfeiture action that we can take. We basically send a notice to the investor, hey, you're in default. You have 30 days to bring the default current or to cure the default. If they don't do it, then they forfeit their participation interest. It's something where we don't get bogged down in a long-term foreclosure or some other type of court action like that. And all these investors are putting down 25%. So the likelihood, especially in today's market, of anyone defaulting is very modest. The final problem that we solved is local investors today are starved for deals. The REOs with the foreclosure moratoriums and all the competition in the market, it has been very difficult to have a steady flow of real estate opportunities if they're buying the properties. But if we move them up the food chain and start buying defaulted mortgages, there are a lot of opportunities. And at significant discounts. And the average note on our platform is sold right around 75% 
of the value of the underlying property. So if a property is worth $200,000, that's probably being offered at $150,000 to buy the mortgage. So basically, our pre-REO is providing the opportunities. So you can go identify mortgages that you want to buy. We also provide you the capital. We provide resources like a servicer, a law firm, a trustee that can all help throughout the process and a compliant holding vehicle for all the investors. So it's really solved the small mortgage investors, even a smaller funds, their challenges at finding opportunities, finding money and finding a vehicle to, to hold the asset. We Right now, both on the buyer and seller side, we're seeing a lot of interest. Next month, we expect to list over a thousand properties in one month on the platform, which is a huge infusion for us. This month in October, we should list several hundred. Next month to be first time we go over a thousand. And that is just in time for year end where we think there'll be a, a motivation for funds to sell these at attractive prices. So we do see a big opportunity in the next uh, in the next 60 to 75 days where for the year end, there'll be some great deals for investors. This is where if people have been watching my monthly updates, like Adam came up with some data that's saying those people who are house flippers, their return on investment is almost like a 10 year low because so much competition in the market. So if you're looking for a different faucet for deal flow, this is where to get it. Granted, most you guys in my audience, George, most of them are high income earners, passive investors. So they're more looking for the fun. Absolutely. The appeal to the other guys that are more passive investors is maybe it might be a great way that you can find something in your backyard, that something to, to tinker around, get to get real estate professional status, some kind of you know, thing to screw around with to get that 750 hours to use the passive losses to possibly lower your ordinary income. Or maybe I buy a house one day here in Hawaii, but I want to get a good deal on it. That's where maybe it might come down to the pipe one of these days. Although that one in Milanium there has been on there for a while. I don't want to live in there. It's too close to my parents. That's odd. I wouldn't have suspected Hawaii has as many assets as we see. We see a lot in Hawaii, which historically is not a place where we see a lot of non-performing mortgages, yeah. but there's been a lot, especially condos, but also some houses. I, I want that house that's $6 million that was worth $10 million the bank foreclosed on. I you never know. We had two $4 million assets that weren't in Hawaii today, but there are some multi-million dollar assets that have been listed on the platform. I'll, I'll tell you, there's one gentleman one pre-REO buyer who said the best deal he ever did in his life, and he's been doing this for a living for years, was on pre-REO. He bought the first mortgage secured by a, a home in Singer Island, Florida last year. And I think he bought it for under $2 million, just under $2 million. He thought it was worth $2.5 to $3 million. And six months later, he completed the foreclosure. The tenant, he paid the tenant $25,000 to vacate the home. And he got excited. He called me a few months before it was foreclosed on and said, hey, the broker says I can probably sell this for three. And then right when he got the tenant out, the broker said, hey, list this at 3.5. He ended up listing at 3.8. He ended up listing at 3.5 and getting multiple offers and taking an offer at 3.8. Made over a million dollars on one single pre-REO asset, which is just insane. And that's the record deals that I'm aware of so far. You should have got equity on that one. Because essentially, you guys just play as the, the 12% note. We get today, we get $2,000 or 2% of the acquisition price, plus we get the 12%. Then he put out 25%. So in this case, it was a half a million dollars that he put down. So he put down a big amount of money. He was the risk position. That's, I think, what's attractive, um, especially going into a potential uncertain market of the future where there's an investor putting down 25%. So there's a discount of 25% off the current value of the property. Then the local investor puts up 25%. So the money that we're putting up is in a pretty secure position, even if this market starts 
you know, getting uh, getting a little shaky in the next uh, year, which is likely to happen. I think we'll be in a very protective position. You know, hopefully everyone does really well, but ultimately there's going to be a downturn. And I think that 25% discount plus a 25% down payment will keep us in a very protective position and still, you know, generate a good return for our investors. Be good for folks like myself who have trouble qualifying for mortgages or car loans because of our, our business owners. You guys, it's, it's nice. You don't have to dick around with a bank. You guys are just the private lender. Exactly. We do some very basic qualifications, but if you have decent credit and if you're an investor or the things that may, you know, too many properties or whatnot that may bar you typically, that's not going to be an impediment with us. We're making common sense, logical decisions in, under, in our underwriting. And basically we feel very comfortable with the 25% down payment uh, on something that's already discounted and something that we could forfeit within 30 days if you ended up defaulting. So it does have a, a lot of protections uh, for the lender. Can you take me through, maybe not that particular asset, maybe it is, but like, how does that note trickle? Like, where does it originate from? What did, was it in like a lot of 500 notes you bought? And- no, initially some, most of the ones came from AHP. So they were in like a big pool that we bought and maybe they were vacant. Initially they were all vacant. Uh, so we take the vacant ones that were in long-term foreclosure states and put them on the site with anticipating people would use the receivership actions. Now it's from third-party funds. Some of them are late in the foreclosure process. Many of them are occupied. So receivership doesn't apply on those, but people are just buying them. And so they may, I think for the sellers in their minds, they can pick up more, more or less 5% more they could by simply selling it in a big pool to a national investor. Because that national investor is going to say, okay, if I foreclose on this, I got to pay a commission, I got to do this, that, and discount it a little bit for a local REO investor. Here, we're selling it to the local REO investor in many cases. So they are comfortable with paying a little bit more, but now they're buying the mortgage, which they otherwise couldn't do. The sellers that we work with, none of them would be selling these individually. It's always going to be in pools of 100 or even 500 or more. And now they're selling them effectively one by one and they're get taking bids one by one but the key is the process is that when we close these we're typically closing multiple ones at a time you know we do one or two closings a month with each fund and so we group their assets together so for them it's not burdensome to you know have too many contracts or anything like that. so i'm just gonna walk to the steps it's hard to follow for myself so like i go to the website i look for a property that i'm like hey george i like this one it's a million dollar property i think it might be worth maybe a little bit more, hopefully a million mm-hmm. and a half. But I put down 25%, and I, which is 250 and I pay your guys' listing fee of two grand, right? So yep. 250, 252,000. Actually, it just changed. So now we get 2,000 or 2%, whichever is higher. So in that case, you'd yeah. actually pay us 20 grand. Uh, we're seeing traction. It makes sense. It's yeah. still a great deal. I give you about 250 for that property. I take ownership over it. Is somebody still in the You take ownership for the, house? to be clear, you're buying the mortgage. So you take ownership or participation interest in the mortgage. And as part of the, having the participation interest, you have delegated authority. So you make all the decisions. Do we proceed with foreclosure? Do we take a modification? If the homeowner asks for that, do we, what do we set if it goes to foreclosure sale? What bidding, where do you set the bid at? Okay, now it's foreclosed on. Do we sell it as is, or do you want to do repairs to the property? These are all decisions that you get to make on the loan. Uh, so you'd work with HP servicing. The servicer will uh, be in constant contact with you in terms of what's needed for you to approve, because you're basically controlling the destiny of this particular mortgage. But you, that's what you own. You own a participation interest in the mortgage. 
And after we'll get the 12%, everything else goes to you. So you get all the upside. So that guy that made a million bucks, we got 12% on our money. He made a million plus bucks. And that is, he gets to keep the upside. And that's so just like when you buy a house or a multifamily building, the lender gets a predetermined return. And then the owner takes the risk. They could make a lot of money. They could make a little money. They could lose a little, lose a lot. Uh, that's what the owner gets. But ultimately the, the mortgage holder or the debt provider gets a, a predetermined return. And in this market, that's where we, that's the way to go. And in uncertain times, that's the position that we want to be in. The investor that takes it over, what are most people doing? Are they kind of doing the heartless fraud and pay age be serving? We want them out. Nope. They don't uh, want to make deals. What are another percentage of what are people doing? Yeah, good percentage are just going to go through the process and go to foreclosure. They're already, almost all of them are already in foreclosure. However, I'd say there's going to be 25 to 30 at some point want to do some kind of deal like a mod. And my messaging is if a homeowner says they want a mod and they qualify for one, we'll present it to the investor and I encourage them to take it. Or if it doesn't make, if it's not quite rich enough financially, they can counter it. But don't reject it. And here's why. Because if a homeowner really wants to stay and the investor really wants to get them out and get the home, there's a reasonable likelihood that homeowner will get an attorney and fight the foreclosure, which could add months or years to the foreclosure. And in those in that period, the homeowner's paying attorney, not paying you. The lender is the investor will then be paying the attorney as well. It will not be a happy outcome. So my my what I share with most investors is that if you do five of these, you probably get REO on maybe three of them. There'll be two where you do a mod or some other, maybe a deed in lieu or a short sale, something like that. And that is, you have to account for that and be, be prepared for that. And that really is the right thing to do. And the other part is the investor will say, wait, I don't want a mod because I need to be collecting payments for the next 20 years. I want to get in and out of things, make my money and do it again. And I say, okay, wait, look at it a little bit differently because today, if you do a modification of a, on a loan, which you just bought at, let's say 75, and the homeowner gives you a down payment, maybe they may give you a lump sum of five grand, then they pay monthly payments for six months on time. Maybe you're getting a grand a month. When that's done, if they made six payments on time, you can sell that loan at probably 90%. Today, we're selling our performing loans at 90, 92%. And that will, so you'll make a profit. So you're still gonna make money, maybe not quite so much as if you actually got title to the property, but you're gonna make a good return. So do these on an ongoing basis. So you get some REOs, you'll get some mods, but in all cases, there's opportunities to make money. And HP servicing will do that. We sell the loan for, okay. I didn't, yeah, I actually- didn't. I wasn't aware of that exit strategy. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And this is an odd one and that came out of pre-REO. So the institutional buyers, when it's a non-performing loan, the best buyer is the local investor. But when the when a, lo a smaller seller is trying to sell a re-performing loan, selling them one by one, you'll probably get the worst price. The best price will be if you can aggregate a large pool of them. So what we're doing now is some of the pre-REO investors have agreed to modifications on their loans. And now the people have paid several months on time. We're putting them in large pools that we offer, which are, they're not as large as I'd like, but maybe they're $10 million. And it's a combination of AHP owned assets, plus pre-REO investors, even some other smaller investors. And then we offer them to large institutions to, uh, to buy. And when they buy, when they make a bid, we'll come back to the investor and say, hey, do you accept this? If they accept it and we close, then uh, we get a 2% fee. And that has worked out well because we're selling these things at, say 92 cents. Uh, if they sold them directly on their own, A, the institution wouldn't buy it. They'd probably be selling 10% 10, 10 less than that, if not even less than that. And uh, to give you an example, the last couple of wires we've gotten were, came from Goldman Sachs. These are funds that are backed by Goldman Sachs or other large Wall Street banks that are buying 
these uh, these reperforming assets. And and so that's ultimately pre-REO is making money when they're non-performing and being sold, and also when they're reperforming and being coming from institutions and going back in, into institutions. Uh, so we see opportunities from both sides, and uh, we educate the investors that this is you need to be prepared for any of these outcomes and and act accordingly. But if you do so, you can make uh, there's the opportunity to make money uh, regardless of the outcome. Yeah, because I, I know you you have a soft heart, right? Like you want to get yeah, these things, I, but you've already tried. So it's Mr. and Mrs. Late Payments, we want to work with you. But if not, we have to ship you off to our pre-REO sharks. And they're not. And again, as people, some people will not reach out or, or respond to the, the outreach until there's, hey, there's a foreclosure sale next week. And now they want a mod after six months or a year. But that's what happens sometimes. And again, I still... I encourage investors, if we can make it financially um, viable on both sides to go ahead and, and, and seriously consider taking that modification. Yeah. Yeah. Most real estate investors, not in our community, but you know, which one I'm talking about, the people that it's like, they don't like, they like to be their own landlord because they don't want to yeah. get a property manager 8%. The, the scarcity mind people, typically real estate investors are always the ones that, oh, can I get a discount? Can I get a yeah. discount? Like they're the ones that are the shark looking to foreclose these people as soon as they take over the asset because time is money and velocity of money. But you guys keep it honorable, right? I yeah, absolutely. It's... If you do the right thing, in the end, you'll do better in, in aggregate. You may not make quite as much as you could on an individual asset basis, but on the in an aggregate, you're going to do better. So and as an entrepreneur, good. George, you've done it again. You've made little points here and there, and that's and and you're yeah. filling filling the voids of what the needs in the marketplace, like for the buyers and sellers. Absolutely. And collecting a fee here and there, yeah. and, and and collecting a spread on the money. It is actually pre-ario. We see a big, we see a potential for a lot of growth to the point where right now people are saying, "Hey, I bought, I'm buying this loan from some other fund. They didn't get it off pre-ario. Can you provide the financing?" And we're saying, sure, uh, we'll do the financing. So we're right now we finance on and off platform deals. And, and, and the majority of people are buying on pre-REO, but it's not to say every loan is, has to transact on pre-REO. They, could, they may have a relationship at a fund and they want to buy something, but they need the financing, even small pools we're financing. But again, that, there's a huge need for financing for smaller buyers in this market. And the buyer doesn't have to be tiny, even for someone buying a few million bucks, they may need financing. So we see it as a big opportunity. If something comes up, man in Hawaii, let me know. And I'll, I'll do it. I'll be a guinea pig for everybody. Um, Absolutely. Go on preario.com. I know there's Hawaii. I know we've had a Hawaii assets. I'm pretty comfortable. I'm pretty confident that there's some there right now. I know I there were bu- three about a week ago. I just don't want to buy anything on the East side. People I don't know Hawaii, Hawaii well enough. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere on that side, but so there's, if you go through this, the, the lender HP financing is the lender. And this is maybe a good transition into the fund. Is that the fund that's yeah, backing so, these loans? Is that how actually, they're For the last line? year, yeah, so sure. AHP servicing has been funding pre-ARIO loans for the last year. That's all transitioning. Right now, they're all being funded with pre- by pre-ARIO with this new crowdfunding offering. Okay. So think about that in the past. AHP servicing was a 10% fund. So we have money coming in at 10%. Uh, we've been paying crowdfunding investors 10% and we're loaning out a 12%, pretty skinny, but it worked. Right now, with the lower interest rate environment, we pay crowdfund investors 7%. We're uh, loaning it out at 12%. So there's a five-point uh, spread in the middle. And are you guys still doing that? You had that pre-REO e-course at one time. Yeah, and we're doing live? a new one. That is still live at learreo.com. There is an e-course. There's another one. We're going to do a live one in, in December. We'll record it and share it with, make it available in perpetuity on, online. But yeah, that one, there's a new one coming up in December. A lot of things have changed since last November when we did that one. So we want to include all the updates in the new, in, in the new opportunity, in the new e-course. 
Something I'm thinking of this, I'm not a big fan of retirement funds, but if you guys got them, the, the bad thing about note investing is you don't get the passive losses, I believe. But this would be something idea that you would do within a retirement account, especially when there's a high potential for explosive gains if you were to sell the property in that case. Yeah, people have bought people have bought Priario with their IRA account. There's nothing, uh, no problem doing that. And let me, I, I got to share about the crowdfunding uh, part of it. Here it is. So this is just so everyone everyone understands on the crowdfunding opportunity. It pays out 7%, just as all the AHP funds in the past, we distribute every month. It's open. This is key. It's open to accredited and non-accredited investors. That's a big, for Regulation A+, plus. that's a big benefit that almost anyone can invest. There's some limits in terms of what how much a non-accredited investor can can invest, but you'll see that they'll see that on the site. The minimum investment only one hundred bucks, and that is we want to make it as accessible as possible to everybody. And this offering is qualified by the SEC to raise up to seventy five million through Regulation A plus. What is that like the median or average investor? Seven thousand bucks is our average investment. Ooh, wow, wow. And then I guess the the other question I had with this this crowdfunding method is like liquidity, right? Like what if the people need their money back? How is sure. that? Sure. This has been, uh, so historically, and HP's offered this, I think since 2016, that if an investor needs their money back, we will undertake our best efforts to return it within 30 days. And pre-COVID, we were consistently able to do that. COVID hit, we were unable to do it. We just caught up on the COVID era redemptions and the uh, going forward, we don't expect another situation like that. So we do expect that we'll be back to returning money within 30 days upon request, The or at least undertaking our best efforts to do that. Now, key caveat to all that is if the investment is redeemed in the first year, then the return goes from 7% to 5%. If it's redeemed in the second year, it goes from 7% to 6%. If the investor keeps the, the investment outstanding for at least two years, they can re- request redemption at any time and they'd be able to keep the full 7%. And, and I think this is where investors, I think they just need to get a little more sure with this. Like These investments, the reason why you're not making 0% is that there is some liquidity. Like you can't just assume that you're going to get the money right back. And I still think, what you guys do for investors is pretty amazing that you can even there's even a possibility of redemption. You guys are using illiquid investments at the end of the day. Yeah. Investors can't really expect to get money back and forth and use it like an ATM. Although I know investors have used it in the past and they got comfortable with that. And then when COVID hit, it became difficult to uh, get the money out. That's something that luckily the market's gone the way it has. It's now gotten returning to the point where we expect to be returning money early on those two legacy funds. And I think in the two new funds, uh, your pre-ario and the soon to be launched HP title. And those you'll be able to, you know, I think we'll be back on track in terms of getting money back within 30 days when needed. Yeah. And, and everybody asks, the question that comes up a lot of times in AHP and pre-ario is always in there. Part of the solution is, oh, what do I do with my short-term liquidity before I look up for more longer term or asymmetric type of risk deals? Sure. Where there's more up. And I tell everybody, that's where you guys have to join the mastermind group and stop spinning ah. around and doing it all on your own, you suckers. Like, seriously, like you're not going to find out. It's different for everybody. You're finding opportunities is through your network and it's different for everybody. And everybody's Absolutely. trying to do this all by themselves. Really, you should be crowdsourcing best practices for other people. I'm just, I'm not going to tell you guys what to do out there because you, then you guys will get mad at me, just like how you got mad at George because you can't redeem your $7,000 <sighs> the first one, right? You guys, these are the tools. You guys need to put these tools into the right order and the right magnitudes and understand what you're working with. There's pros and cons to everything. I still invest with a 
but I have it within my holistic liquidity opportunity fund. Uh, you guys can still get that article at simplepassivecashflow.com slash old fund. But it's part of the education process, I guess. I mean, a lot of people, alternative investing or private funds are still new to a lot of people. Agreed. It's a new experience. And lots of times when things are going well, it's like today with the real estate market where everything's going so strong, people forget that, hey, at some point it won't be so strong and property values will go down. Right now they've been going up like you forget. People forget that in 2008, it was really tough to sell properties. Property values were going down each month. And that went for 08, 09, 10, 11, 12, up into maybe even 13, where things were a lot different than it is today. Remember, all these things are are cyclical and we'll prepare for the worst, but prepare for the best, but be, be prepared for the worst as well. So call to action, guys. If you guys want to learn more about this, we'll stick it in the uh, info page at simplepassivecashflow.com slash AHP. We've got several other webinars we've done on this in the past. And if you're interested in getting involved in that pre-REO thing, uh, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash pre-REO and drop a comment into our Facebook group. I'd be curious. I'd like to find somebody who's doing that and not just staying to themselves and keeping it to themselves. I'm interested in this type of stuff, I said. There's Hawaii on there. There's opportunities in your backyard, probably. Yeah. Or maybe your parents' backyard. It's astounding how many, especially when we get the hundreds and the thousand next month, I think they're going to be all over. Uh, so there should be opportunities in the majority of the markets. But all right, guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you, George. And we'll see everybody next time. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.